All right, and we want to uh, greet everyone in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're grateful to the Lord for everyone that is uh, here and everyone that uh, will be watching this in the future. We're so grateful, and I'm grateful to the Lord for you all taking the time out of your day to uh, come here and hear the Word of God and uh, to grow. And I, again, I don't take it lightly that God have sent you here to be a part of this ministry and that he has uh, sent you to, to listen. And uh, I'm just thankful for the opportunity that God grants me to be able to share with you his word and what he uh, says. While I'm thankful for that, I don't, I'm not thankful for it because it's an it's a easy task. Um, are because this is a light thing. Uh, when you preach the word of God, and I mean this word of God, you know, and not um, some watered-down version or humanism where everybody's accepted and everything is okay, uh, when you preach the word of God, uh, you're going to make some enemies. That's guaranteed. In, in this Bible, all but one of Jesus' disciples were killed. Only one of them lived to be... Uh, only one of them lived to be an old man, a full, a full age, and died of natural causes, and that was John, who they called John the Great. There were two Johns that were his disciples, and the one that they called John the Great, and they called him that because of his stature. He was bigger than the other John, naturally so. He lived out his days, and he's the one who, who gave us the book of John and the, and the epistles, first and second and third John, and also the book of Revelation. He lived out his days as an old man, and uh, it was God's intention for that to be so. Um, but um, all the rest of them were killed, with the exception of, with the exception of um, Judas, who hung himself. And they were killed because they preached something to religious people that religious people were not used to hearing. One of the uh, things that we run into in this ministry, um, <laughs> is when people are out in the world and uh, uh, they go out and do all sorts of things like we all did, but they don't know just how far out they were. They don't know how far off they are. And I think about the time, and I've shared this before, how when I was... Uh, <laughs> When I joined the Navy, before I went into basic training, I was going out to this lake to swim. And going out there to swim, um, me and my brother and uh, uh, one of my best friends, we decided we were going to swim all the way across this lake. And that's what we did. We swam across it. And, and, but I, my thinking was, we're going to swim back. But they didn't. They. Uh, by the time I looked back, they had already gotten out and had started walking around. Well, my thinking was, well, you know, 
the shortest distance between two points is what? Straight line. I'm not going to walk around. I'm going to swim back. Except when I got to the middle of that lake, my body decided to lock up, literally. And I don't know if you've ever been that tired, but it happens, where you don't have another ounce of strength on the inside of you. And when I, so by God's grace and mercy, um, I had learned to hold my breath for about three to four minutes, where I could, I could you know, go that long without breathing. And that's what I used. But that was by the grace of God. I didn't know why I played that game every time I went swimming as, you know, as a 16 and 17-year-old. But for whatever reason, I did, and I believe it was just the Lord preparing me for that day. So the water was maybe, that, at that, maybe about 20 feet deep. Could you imagine sinking down that low and walking on the floor of the lake, holding your breath, you see? So I've explained all this before, I'm sure. But my point in bringing this up is this. Whenever I come back up, I would look around and see where they were. I would look behind me and see how far I came, and then I would look and see how far I had to go. I did not know how wide that lake was and how long it was until I was in the middle of it fighting for my life. And I believe the Lord was the one reeling me in and encouraging me, you know, and, and I, I tell you, every time I went under, I had a decision to make. Do I want to just give up right here? Because ain't no use in me getting more tired than what I am. Or do I want to keep going? And that ordeal, it may have lasted for about 10 or 15 minutes, but it felt like five hours to me, just going through that same process over and over again, you know, swimming for a little bit until my muscles give out again, and then going down and trying to hold my breath as long as I could and all the while still walking underneath the water. And then when I can't hold my breath anymore, swimming back up to the top to catch my breath and swimming a little bit more and, and then my muscles locking up again and then going back down. Now, could you imagine going through that for about 10 or 15 minutes? It's the grace of God that I'm here today. And the point I'm making is this. That's the way it is in our walk with Christ. Flesh was tired, but God had something, something for me to do. And I had to keep pushing until I got to the edge there. And when I got right to the edge and just decided I'm done, and I was sitting there, literally sitting on my backside on the floor of that lake. An angel of the Lord reached back and pulled me by the back of my shirt and, and pulled me up and set me down on the shore there. So that's what happens. People decide, okay, Lord, I'm going to live for you. I've swim all the way across this lake and ain't nothing over here. And I'm going to turn around and I'm going to go back. I, I'm, I'm coming to you now, Lord. You're my creator, and I'm coming to you. But, you know, the problem is by the time they've gotten to the other side and they, the devil have worn that flesh out, worn them out, and they don't know they're going to need the grace of God to swim back across, you get tired. <laughs> and, you know, I was the type of person I, I played a lot. So when I was now, you know, when I was coming up for, for air, 
I could see my brother and my, my best friend walking around and I was telling them, come get me. But they would laugh because they thought I was playing. I didn't have time to think of, you know, think about, well, if I get out of here, somebody going to have to answer. <laughs> I, my, I was praying, Lord, get me. Lord, you help me, see. And what I learned and what this has to do with this is this. Your relationship with God is your relationship with God. Can't no man pull you out of the swamp. The Lord has to do that. And what happens is God sends his preachers to preach and people get mad at him because he's not doing more than what they think he ought to do in their life when it's really based on your relationship with God. Does everybody understand? Can't nobody make you love God. Can't nobody make you keep his commandments. I'm, I'm not the Holy Spirit, so I can't get on the inside of you and make you live right or give you a conscience to live right. I can't do that. It takes a relationship with God, and, and that is part of the problem, is people want to live for God without having a relationship with him. And you have to have a relationship with God. Everybody understand? And so we get up week after week and we preach. And because people don't know just how far out they were when God preaches, he throws that lifeline to reel them back in, and in their mind, they're wondering, is this necessary? Seems like I've gone far enough. I can tell you, when I was out there drowning, <laughs> it was necessary for me to get back to that shore, to the bank. I wasn't satisfied with being out somewhere. I wasn't even satisfied again when I decided in that last moment, you know what, this is it. I'm tired. I was in about five feet of water. I could have just stood up. But I just sat down underneath there. And the Lord pulled me up out of there. Why? Because I was not saved until I was completely out of that water. I understood if I stand up, I don't even have the strength to, to keep my balance. That, that, those waves, they're just going to push me right back under. So I, I give up right here. And a lot of times what happens is people are satisfied being on just close enough. I can stand up out here in the water. Now that water represents sin. The world. You cannot stand in that water and the devil not push you over. It only take about five or six inches of water to push your vehicle off the road. And you're talking about a two-ton piece of machine. So here you come wearing 100 and 200 pounds. You think you're going to stand up in water and the devil not push you over? No, God is telling you, get out of the water altogether. You're saved when you get out of that water. Everybody understand? And so we, what we have to do is we have to have a relationship with God. Now, it is very, very hard for people to comprehend why we preach like this if they don't have a relationship with God. When you have a relationship with God, you want people to experience everything that God has for them. You want them to know about joy. I'm going to tell you something. 
There's not one person living outside of Christ that have joy, not one. There's not one person living outside of Christ that have peace, not one. They may try to make up like they have it. They do all kind of things for, for temporary happiness, a temporary joy, but it, it goes away. They come off of one vacation looking forward to going on the next. And, and, and you know, the, on the next one next year when they're not promised tomorrow. So how you have joy and you know at any time you could drop dead. No joy is knowing where you go spend an eternity and start an eternity right now. God, I got a relationship with you right now. I don't have to wait until I go to heaven. I'm talking to you now, you see. That's God's desire for people to have a relationship with him. So much so that he made you in his image and in his likeness. So that when you look at yourself, you, you, there's something on the inside of you that know, wait a minute, I'm supposed to have some type of relationship with my creator. And for people to not have a relationship with God, they have to purposely find fault with God. On purpose. You could take an individual, if they could, at one year old and put them on an island all by themselves. If God fed them and clothed them, and, and they don't know anything about it when they turn 18 or whatever, they're going to know. It's going to be something on the inside of them that knows there is a higher power somewhere that I'm supposed to answer to. And the only way they could get around that is if they reject and if they find fault some kind of way. So uh, we're talking about church folks, not, not the world, church people. People get saved. They start living for the Lord in their minds. And then they come and hear a holy preacher preach holiness. And they have a problem with it. Because in their minds, it don't take all of that. Do I really have to do all of this to be saved, to live for God? And really what it is, is they don't know just how far they've gone. The Bible says that God's commandments are not burdensome. But it's a burden if you're not sold out to God. How many of you ever worked at a job you didn't like? All right, how many of you worked at a job that you liked? If you work at a job that you don't like, it's a burden. You have to make yourself get up in the morning. You have to make yourself go in to work and you have to purposely make yourself be there on time. If you work at a job that you love, your boss don't have to track you down and see where you are while you're 15 minutes late, you're gonna be there on time. You're gonna do a better job on that job that you love. You're not going to think that your boss is a dictator. And that is the difference. What you love is not a burden. And when you love God, keeping his commandments are not a burden. Now let me make this clear. For some of us that may not know this, God have commandments. God is full of rules and regulations. And there is a difference. If God didn't have 
commandments, if he didn't, then you could continue to live in the kingdom of darkness and still live for God at the same time. And that's what people want. I want to keep doing what I've been doing out in this world when I was living in the kingdom of darkness, but I want God to receive me and to accept me. And I'm afraid that uh, some of our parents have set us up to not like commandments because we didn't have them growing up. We could do what we wanted to do. When we turned a certain age, it was just anything goes. Just be in the house, you know, at some point. Just be here when it's time to get up in the morning. I don't care where you're going. When I was growing up, until I moved out of my mother's house, when I walked out of that door, I had to let her know where I was going and ask her if I could go. Th that wasn't far-fetched. And let me make this clear, that's the way it should be. There wasn't nobody, you wasn't walking out of that door without mentioning where you're going and, and can I go? Do you have anything for me to do before I go, if I can go? Wasn't no stomping off if you couldn't. Anytime we felt like becoming a smart aleck, we just looked up at the lights and saw that they were still on. Somebody paying the bills here and it ain't me. Everybody understand? We knew all too well. We didn't take that for granted. My mother, every, time, every month when it came time to pay bills, she took us to those places. She put the money in our hand and gave us the bill and said, go in there and tell them you want to pay this on that account. What was she doing? Training us. This ain't free. And since it's not free, I got rules that y'all need to live by. And we weren't complaining. That was just the norm. It wasn't nobody. We didn't know any different. We didn't have friends that said, oh, y'all mama make y'all tell her where y'all going? We were all that way. Not today. Why are you in my life? <laughs> my wife and I, when we first got married, one of our daughters, we, when they went off to school, we went in their room and we found some stuff in there that they shouldn't have had. So when our daughters got home, we were gone and uh, so when we got home, uh, the, the one of them said, well, you know, we want to have a meeting with y'all. That's what our daughters told us. We want to have a meeting with y'all. Okay, we'll come sit at this table and let y'all have a meeting with us. Well, we think, you know, we don't appreciate y'all going in our room. My wife got up and called our daughter in the backyard. Come on to this backyard. It ain't enough room up in here for what's about to go down. <laughs> we don't want to break up this stuff in here. You come on in this backyard, little girl. And I was just sitting there going, you tough, go on back there. <laughs> you the one call this meeting, go finish it in the backyard. 
It's got all kind of dirt and grass need to be cut back there. <laughs> so the, the older one had talked the younger one into this meeting. You know, they were all pumped when we got home. I don't know what kind of, you know, what was said. I tell you what, that one never got out of that seat. And I looked at I looked at the younger, our youngest daughter, and I said, "You want to go in the back?" Yet? No, uh, uh, I don't want to. You dismissed. Don't you be nobody's fool. <laughs> yeah, children need that backyard. Because what happens is when they become adults, they find out everybody's got a backyard. Oh, so the, everywhere I go, it's got rules. Everybody understand? And you know, God has rules. And that's one of the biggest complaints we run into with people. I, have, I say this again, there has not... I've been preaching for a quarter of a century, and there ain't been one person that ever brought this Bible to me to tell me what was wrong with what I was preaching, not a one. What it is, is people that don't want to follow God's word. God has his word for a reason. If, if there were no rules, there would be no reason for God's word. We could just all freestyle. God is a holy God, and it goes for everybody. Everybody understand? God's word is for everybody. If you have your Bibles, let's go to the book of uh, Matthew, the seventh chapter. We're saying this because we want to help people and the Bible tells us that God is holy he says I am holy be ye holy for I am holy you know what that means that we're supposed to have a certain look that we're supposed to stand out some kind of way that we are not to look like the world we are not to dress like the world we are not to respond the same way that the world responds that there ought to be a difference in what we're doing and how we're behaving versus what the world is doing and how they're behaving. We're supposed to be a light to the world. How can we be a light when we refuse to be converted? That's not God's will. Seventh chapter of the book of Matthew. Are we there? Let's start reading at verse 21. It says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Everybody see that? What is it saying? Everybody that's calling me, calling on me, that's calling me the Lord Jesus Christ. That saying, look at what he says. That saith unto me, Lord, Lord. What does that mean? 
What does the word Lord mean? He's your overseer. He's your boss. He is your ruler. And he's saying not everyone that says that to me. Now let's think about that. Let's, let's put it in today's terms. So when we say Lord, we're saying boss. You're my boss. A Lord is somebody when they tell you to do something, you do it. You keep their, their rules and their commands. And he's saying not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter in. In other words, it's got a lot of people saying, Lord, they're calling me that, but I'm not that to them. They, they, when they pray, they're saying, Lord. When they talk to me, they're saying, Lord. When they're out talking to their friends, they're referring to me as their Lord, but they have a problem with my word. So no, I'm not their Lord. How can I be? How can I be your boss when you complaining about what I've told you to do? These aren't my preacher's rules. These are my rules. So you ain't, there's no way in the world you're going to go to heaven. You can call me Lord all you want, but until I become that to you, it means nothing. Everybody see? So let's read that again, verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that what? Do with the will of my Father, which is where? What is his will? What you read in here. That's his will. Don't call him Lord unless he is your Lord. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road. There is a line drawn. Everybody understand? Everybody understand there's a line drawn? Let's, let's bring it home to us. If you're sitting on this side of the sanctuary, raise your hand. Everybody see? If you're sitting on this side, raise your hand. How you know you're sitting on this side? Because that's where you're sitting. So how do you know that it's this side versus that side? There is an aisle here. There's no confusion. Everybody understand? There's no confusion about it. Ain't nobody sitting in the aisle. And you're not sitting down this middle line here. You know what side you're on. Heaven knows what side you're sitting on. How do they know? Do you keep his commandments? Do you do his will? That's how you know you're going to heaven. It's really that simple. Are you doing God's will. There is no in between. Either you're doing God's will or you're not. Everybody understand? He says, so not everybody says to me, Lord, Lord. In other words, talk a good game. They're not going in, but the people that do my Father's will, they're the ones that's going to heaven. Is that simple and plain? Now we need to ask ourselves, Lord, am I doing your will? Am I doing your will? What is his will? What you hear preached here week after week. That's his will. Husbands, love your wives. Let me make this clear. Do we read that in the Bible? Husbands, love your wife. Not only love them, but love them as Christ loved the church. If you're not doing that, you're not going to heaven. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto who? The Lord. If you're not doing that, you're not going to heaven. It's that simple. Grace don't cover what you know to do. 
And here you get taught it all. This ain't once a year, once, you know, every Mother's Day or whatever. It's every day. We got over a thousand videos on YouTube that you're going to have to answer to. Everybody understand? <laughs> so is that clear? Now let's think about this. If you're sitting there getting worked up, that spirit you got working you up, ain't nobody mad but the devil. Ain't nobody mad but him. Does everybody understand? If you keeping his commandments, then this message, it don't, it don't get under your skin. If you're not, it's meant to light a fire under you. Keep his commandments. That, that's the only way you go to heaven. There's no other way. You're not going to find one Bible, no, anywhere. In this, you're not going to find one scripture anywhere that goes against what was just said. Them that do the will of my Father, they are the ones going to heaven, period. No, so everybody understand, there's no way around that. It ain't no, listen, when you, when you love God, you don't have any options. That, that, that takes options off the table when you love them. Lord, I'm going to do what you say do. Yeah, it's uncomfortable, you know, but I'm going to do what you say do. That's all. And if, and if love ain't your motivation, just think about hell and spending an eternity there. Is it worth it? And don't play like, well, you know, I got the rest of my life. I'm only 20. I'm only 30. I, you know, I, I, no, you ain't got. You're going to spend the rest of your life making excuses for disobeying. That's the way that goes. That's a never-ending road. Well, next time, Lord, we'll get them. Next time I'll do better. It's going to always be next time. It's supposed to be right now. Okay, Lord, everybody understand. I need, I need to make up my mind right now, right now Lord. Because the problem with that next time business is God will push you to keep going. Yeah, next time. Let me flip this switch on the inside of you. Every last one of us was born with that switch. What is that switch called? Reprobate. And God flips it when we play with them. Everybody understand? What was plain before and what was, what, was, what was made sense before, it no longer makes sense. Yeah, I believe that at one time, but I don't anymore. At one time, I, I believe that, but not, not anymore. Reprobate. Everybody understand? I, you know, especially since I started going to this new church, they've opened my eyes to a lot of stuff reprobate the church I used to go to they didn't believe that and that's the way I believe reprobate you better believe God's word everybody believe God's word what does God's word say if you don't keep his commandments you're not going to heaven that's plain and simple anything outside of that is reprobate everybody understand alright verse 22 many will say to me in that day Lord Lord have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. You see that? They still calling him Lord. This is what they're going to say after. They find out they have to depart from him. 
after he tell them, depart from me, then they're going to say, well, wait a minute. I've been doing all of this stuff for you. I've been casting out devils. I've done many wonderful works in your name. I prophesied. Let me make this clear. Spiritual gifts does not negate your obedience to God's word. It's his gift to begin with. He used Judas as well, but where is he at today? Everybody understand? Everybody and their mama got the gift of discernment. All of them. Except that's not what it's called. <laughs> Everybody understand? It is the discerning of spirits for the purpose of casting out devils. You knowing what devil somebody have. And God gives that to people who are going to deliver people for the purpose of helping them. Not for the purpose of staying away from them. Not for the purpose of gossip. It is a gift designed to help people in the body of Christ. It is a real gift. Everybody understand? But people think they're going to heaven because they got the gift of discernment. <laughs> no, you have a, you have a spirit but it's not of God. You know why? Because God will never speak against his word. He will never speak against his truth. Never. God's word trumps his own gifts. Everybody understand? You can have gifts and still not go to heaven. His word, is, his word trumps that. Lord, I'd rather be a follower of you. The gifts will come. You may be born with a gift. That don't mean you're going to heaven. The gift will come. But Lord, you know what? I, want to, I desire you. That should be our desire. So these people, they put the emphasis on what they were doing for God versus them actually living for him. Everybody understand there's a difference. You can do all kinds of stuff for God and still not live for him. Still don't belong to them. All you're doing is volunteer work. Everybody understand? But it's not the same. It's not the same. How many of you ever went into a job somewhere and just worked for free? Just told them, look, you stand at McDonald's at the, po at the counter and you see and they back there struggling, just decided, you know what, give me that apron. Let me go help y'all make some burgers. I used to work here before. My question is this, are they going to pay you? <laughs> Everybody understand? If you don't sign that W-2, you just volunteer. And that's what it looks like when people trying to live for God but don't have a relationship with him. You just volunteering. That's all. You just volunteering. 
I'm telling you, this message is meant to clear that up. You don't have to find out when you're standing before God that you were just a volunteer. So these people, they were telling him, we've prophesied in your name, we've cast out devils, and we've done many wonderful works in your name. Verse 23, and then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work what? That word iniquity, it means lawlessness. You know what that means? A person that lives as if there is no law. They're not following any. They just do what they want to do at any moment. Oh, they might start off just a little bit. Okay, I'll follow this. I'll follow that. But after, you know, they can get in their feelings or whatever, and then it's just all out the door. I just don't feel like it. Lawlessness. Jesus said, I'm going to tell them, depart from me. I never knew you. Could you imagine your creator saying that to your face? That is going to be a sad day. Jesus said in that day, there should be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Everybody understand what that means? Oh, our dear brother Junior, when he was describing the scene that he saw, people dropping off into hell. He said he saw people pulling their hair out when they knew they were going. When they knew they were on their way there, they were pulling their hair out of their skulls. Now, the good news is that don't have to be us. If we still breathing, we still have a chance. We can make up our minds today to be all in. We don't have to keep playing. Everybody understand? And some of us may wonder, well, why do you preach like this every Sunday, especially if we're one of those individuals? that we're just already all in, and we may feel like, well, you know, why do you preach this? You know why? Because if it's one, it could, this church could be a, have a billion people in it. If it's one soul on their way to hell, God is going to preach like this. You know why? Because he'll leave the 99 and go after that one. Everybody understand? Yeah, he'll leave that 99. He'll go after that. If it's one soul, he's going to go after that soul. He's not thinking, well, you know, I already got 99 of y'all. I can, I can do without one, or I can speak another one into existence to replace that one. He don't want to see one soul go to hell for an eternity. Not one. And that's because he cares about us. That's his love for us. And we're supposed to have that same love. Why are we always preaching on hell? Because it exists. How many people die in every, every second? They going somewhere. It's, it's people dying every second. Now let's think about that. Before this message is over, probably thousands of people have died all over the world. They going somewhere. Everybody understand? There ain't no in between. We either going to heaven or hell. And we just laid out what the, what the parameters are. Do we keep God's commandments? Okay, well, we're going to heaven. If we don't, we're going to hell. It's that, it's that simple. 
Now, worldly folks might not be as deceived as church people. Because church people got religion on their side. They got preachers telling them you can live in sin. But if they have any sense, they're going to think like this. Wait a minute. I came to church to get better. I didn't come here to continue to do what I was doing when I was out in the world. Other than that, I could have just stayed where I was. And I'm telling you, if you are listening to this message and you got a preacher lullaby and you to hell, you get out of that church. Because you listen to that lie for so long, after a while, it will become a reality to you. You'll, you'll start loving God for real. Well, thank God we can, you know, he is love. And if you've accepted that lie, you get rid of it. You're not going to heaven in iniquity. That, that's what he's just said here. Depart from me. I never knew you. Ye work of iniquity. Let's go to the 11th chapter of the book of Matthew. Everybody still here? All right. The 11th chapter of the book of Matthew. We're going to start reading at verse 28. Now, this is Jesus talking. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's talking about the lifestyles of people. He's talking about people, you know, when we're born and we're not living for God, we'll spend a whole lifetime, we'll do all kind of things looking for something that's going to bring to us the same happiness that the Holy Spirit will give us. And, but the problem is people don't know that because they don't have the Holy Spirit. So they, they, they know it's supposed to be more to life than what am I, I'm experiencing. So they spend their life looking for that. They're going on vacation. That's the reason why vacation is a thing now. You know, 50, 60 years ago, people weren't going on vacation like they are now. Now, we're not saying anything against vacation. If, you know, we're not preaching against that. But we're talking about the motive. Let's think about what, what is the root word of vacation, the vacate. What are you vacating? Your normal life. So I don't feel like I'm living unless I go somewhere where there's a beach and some white sand and I just lay out there. Well, you know what? I can do that at home. I can go right there to track the supply. Get me some sand, buy one of them little $20 pools at Dollar General. If you ain't out there swimming, you might as well just get you some sand and lay it out in the backyard. If all you want to do is look at the water. Yeah, I can lay in my backyard and live it up. And I ain't got to pay $1,000 to do it. 
Everybody understand? So when people go on vacation, they are vacating their normal life. Why? Because that's not happy. If you're one of those people, you're saying, thank God it's Friday, you're who I'm talking to. Thank God it's any day. Thank God for Monday, because I woke up. And I got a job to go to. Everybody understand? No, God didn't tell you to meet him on, at the, you know, Cancun somewhere. Everybody understand? In other words, you ain't got to go there to be happy. And so what people do is they vacate their lives to go find happiness. The only problem is they can't afford to stay there. We're all happy when we're packing up going to Cancun, but we're depressed when it's time to go back. Can't even enjoy being there because we know we got to go back to the same old raggedy life we just vacated. And people go through that cycle all the time. Same people, you know, they happy to get drunk. I'm getting drunk tonight, who with me? Who wanna throw up in the morning? Who with me? Who wants to not remember what all they did and wake up in, in jail tomorrow? Who with me? <laughs> and you got fools saying, I'm, I'll go. I like throwing up. <laughs> I'm going to throw up all over you and your car. We're going to get pulled over. We're going to all go to jail. But you know what? We're going to do it again next weekend. Now, let's think about what happens when people get drunk. What, what are they doing? They're getting out of their minds. Why? Why do you want to get out of your reality? When Jesus tells us here, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. That's the problem with people. That's the whole purpose of vacation, because you're heavy laden. That's the purpose of getting drunk. You're heavy laden. That's the purpose of, that's all the, word, that's all the devil can give you is a substitute of what God can give you for real. Jesus says, come unto me if you're heavy laden. If you're burdened, come unto me. I'll give you rest. Everybody understand? Verse 29, take my what? Yoke. Everybody see that? No, you're not out there freestyling. He got a yoke. Everybody understand? I preached a message on that some years ago. God's yoke is his, God's word is, is the yoke. God's yoke is his word. Take my yoke upon me and do what? Learn of me. What is his yoke? His word. Read my word and learn of me. Everybody understand? Look at how I do things. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your what? Souls. Everybody see that? You know what he's saying? I'll take all that fight out of you. All the bad attitudes, I'll take that away from you. If you come unto me. You know, sometimes I feel sorry for people. And I think we've just accepted stuff as the norm. We've accepted that bad, just people just born with bad attitudes. 
We've accepted that people just born with a lot of fighting in them. That's not God's will. You're, you're still laden. You still got some hurt. Don't nobody come here like that. You done let the devil whoop on you and, and haven't gotten him off of you yet. That's where these bad attitudes come from. And Jesus is saying, if you're tired of always feeling like you're in a fight, being laid down and all of that, come unto me. I'm telling you, people got some fight in them. Even believers got fight in them. That you're latent. Everybody understand? That's not God's will. It ain't never been God's will. I tell you, people with that kind of fight, they don't normally live long. Because when you got that kind of fight in you, you're doing damage to your physical heart. You, the spiritual side of you is already damaged. Everybody understand? Somebody that's got an attitude all the time, you can't hardly talk to them. That health will decline. What's going on spiritually, it'll show up naturally. You got a raggedy heart, spiritually so, naturally so, that's what's going to happen. Now, of course, God takes people when he feels like it. But I'm telling you, it's just something that people with bad attitudes, that, that's what makes them look older than what they are. You got all that fight on the inside of you. You're going to age like you've been through, like you've been living a thousand years. Let me share with you about, let me share with you something. And this is for us. Don't you take on your mama and daddy's fights, your grandparents' fights. Whatever it is that they've passed on to you that was not of God, you better release it. Does everybody understand? Because you'll be looking their age when you take on their fight. Mama was hurt by a thousand men. That, what is that to you? Everybody understand? You, you drop that bitterness, that hatefulness, the bad attitude, that ain't none of that of God. We're supposed to be like little children. Everybody understand? So he tells us in verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Everybody understand? Jesus Christ didn't have any fight on the inside of him. People spit on him. They were trying to kill him since he was born. But he just lived life. I tell you, that's who we're supposed to be aspiring to be. Now it's another gospel. Don't let nobody walk all over you. And some of, I mean, some of us are taking it on. I'm not going to let anybody do me wrong. I, I tell you this, you better learn to. 
You're not going to heaven with a mindset of ain't nobody going to get over on me. Do you better let some folks get over on you? Do I need to show you that in the word? <laughs> Everybody understand? This Bible says, be as wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. And some of us, we get hurt one, two times, and we vow, I ain't nobody going to ever get over on me. Translation, I ain't going to heaven. That's the translation. Why? Because God can't get over on you either. <laughs> Everybody understand? That same mouth that said, I'm not going to let people use me and take advantage of me, God hears it. Well, I can't use you either. I can't take advantage of you. You watchful. You got the gift of discernment. <laughs> Look at what he said, verse 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is what? Everybody see that? His yoke is easy and his burden is light. So he has a yoke, number one, and he has a burden, number two. God has a yoke and a burden. You know what he's saying? You're going you gonna to have to bow somewhere. It, you're not good. There's no, there's no such thing as you going somewhere and just be, being completely free. Paul went from throwing people in prison to calling himself a prisoner of God. He understood. I, I'm going I'm, to serve one master somewhere. Everybody understand? And Jesus is saying, if you want to do it the easy way, come, come live for me. It's a whole lot easier than what the devil's giving you. Because with the devil comes headache. With the devil, you got to fight on your own. Everybody understand? With God, you don't have to do that. With God, folks can run over you and do all kind of stuff. You ain't got to sit and contemplate how you're going to let them know you knew what they were doing. You ain't got to figure out, how, you know, how you're going to get back over on them. God already took care of that. You just go on living life. That's why his yoke is easy and his burden is light. You, ain't, you don't have to fight for yourself. Everybody understand? So let's go look at something else. Let's go to the book of 1 John, the fifth chapter. <clears throat> let's, let's, let's back up to the fourth chapter. First John, the fourth chapter, we're going to start reading at verse 17. It says, herein is our love made perfect. Everybody see that? Everybody see? That we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we where? Is that in your Bible? As he is, who is he? God. As he is, so are we where? In this world. 
Is the Lord living in sin where he is? So this Bible says that we're supposed to be like he is right now. Not wait till we get to the sweet by and by and then we're going to be perfect. As he is, so are we in this world. Everybody see. Verse 18, there is no fear where? But perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Everybody understand? Now what is that talking about? Let's just bring it down to where we are now. There are people that are scared to love. There are people that are scared to be vulnerable. There are people that are scared of being used. Scared of being mistreated because maybe they were mistreated and they were not taught God's word about it. How they're supposed to respond. Our youngest son, Joshua, when he was a little boy, he'd be out there on the playground. And those children, he, he, he wouldn't just go right up, you know, and start playing with children when we'd take them to the park. He'd stand off. And then he'd have to ease in there and start playing with, with children. And there were times he would get mistreated. And my wife would want me to talk to him and, you know, basically, I guess make a man up and make him want to do whatever. Like, no, you ain't got to stand. No, he going to stand there and he going to take it. Because I told her, if we teach him to throw one punch, he ain't going to stop. Don't, and you parents, don't you, don't you teach your children to retaliate. Because once you do, they, they don't stop. They'll be grown fighting. Children don't come here with all that attitude and fuss on the inside of them. And some little children, your children, they're going to run into children full of the devil to provoke them, to make them like they are. You teach them, you, you know, just, just take it. If it gets unbearable, leave. But don't you throw a punch, don't you, you go pray for them. Because if you teach them to retaliate and to fight, they, it's going to take God to get that out of them. Everybody understand? So I told my wife, no, we're not going to change his nature. Because it just seemed like everywhere he went, he wanted to make friends, and some, of, some people just abused that. Had one little boy always coming down to the house stealing. Just, just you know, can I play with Joshua? Yeah, you can come in. He'd only be there long enough to take what he wanted to take. And after a while, it was, can I play with Joshua? No. No, you, you ain't coming here to play anyway. <laughs> God made children a certain way because he want us old hags to look at our example everybody understand and we can all brag about all the fights we don't want Ain't nobody ever got the best of me. No, I can't see myself getting whipped. That's not, let's not brag on that. Let's brag about, you know what? I got my behind whipped the other day, and I wouldn't pray for the person that did it. That's your testimony. <laughs> Everybody understand? <laughs> let's brag on that. 
Everybody understand? Yeah, let's brag on being used. Let's brag on being talked about and being mistreated. That's what we ought to be bragging about. And, and not retaliating. Lord, I'm, I'm really growing because there was a time I wouldn't have been able to deal with that. So he says that there is no fear in love. Everybody understand? And the whole world is, is scared of loving. Because what does love mean? I'm vulnerable. I put myself out there to be used. I put myself out there to be mistreated. At, at the risk of being mistreated. And I'm not going to be scared of it. But if you've ever had somebody pull you to the side and like, girl, don't, don't, you ain't got to put up with that. You're spending the rest of your life not putting up with it. And eventually will be by yourself. Because that's what that leads to. What you will and won't put up with, you're going to be a single somebody. Everybody understand? And you could be married to God himself. He's going to use you. <laughs> Everybody understand? And you think about being married to flesh and blood, you're still going to be used. But I feel like I'm being used. Me too, because I'm going to work. Where are you going in the morning? Everybody understand? I just feel like I'm a maid and I got to stay home and take care of the children. Well, I got to go to work and make sure they got food in their stomachs. What are you doing? When we get to having this conversation, it's never ending. The Bible says there's no fear in love. If I, if I have love, that's not a conversation we're having. You don't look at it as being used. You look at it as, as I'm ministering. I'm a minister. Don't tell God about how you want to stand up here and preach and how you want to speak in tongues and all of that and you're scared of being used otherwise. Well, I do it for you, Lord, but not, not for anybody else. I tell you what, if you want God to use you, you better get used to the world using you. When you can stand and take it from them, then God can use you. Everybody understand? Because why? Because you don't stop being in the world because God is using you you still going to have people to deal with. And God needs to know that he can trust you. Even more so after God starts using you. And people scared. I mean, people, the whole world scared of being used. I got my walls up. I, I knew I shouldn't have took them down. I can tell you this. God don't live in your walls. Everybody understand? We say all the time, you're not going to box God. And that includes that wall you got around your heart. Look what it says, verse 18, there's no fear in love, but perfect love, what does it do? Cast out fear, because fear has what? Torment. You know what the torment is? When you have fear of, of love and receiving love, and you're tormented because if somebody can come up to you with a pure heart. But because you're a wounded pup, you're going to be trying to figure out what angle. What angle? So what, what, what it is you want from me? Nothing. I just want to take your trash out. I just want to cut your yard. That's all I am. I'm not here to, 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 you know. Everybody understand? 
You see the torment there? That's where this gift of discernment come in at. <laughs> yeah, that's where that come in at, because you need that. Because you got to figure out what everybody's motive is in your life, because we all out to get you. You're only happy by yourself. Because the Bible says, trust no man. <laughs> Everybody understand? Whole world of people living in fear of love and being tormented because they've been used once or twice and they vowed they never go through that again. That's not the way to look at it. Look at it like this. Did you pray and ask God about it before you got into it? And I'm telling you, God is so arrogant and proud of himself that after they had got finished killing one of his servants, he went to one of the fellows responsible for it and said, why are you persecuting me? Everybody understand? Yeah, he's an arrogant somebody. There's a man laying dead there, bricks in his head. But you being persecuted? Now I'm trying to show you the other end of why you ain't being used. Everybody understand? Verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is what? Everybody see that? So the same goes true for trust. If you don't trust people, you can't trust God. If you're skeptical of everybody that God sends your way and of people just in general, you're going to be that way with God. Everybody understand? For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom, whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love who? His brother also. Chapter 5, verse 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus Christ, Jesus is the Christ, is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. Pay attention, attention to verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God. Everybody see that? When we love God and do what? Keep his commandments. I cannot say that I love God's people if I don't keep God's commandments. Everybody understand? The reality of it is this. There is no such thing as a selfish Christian. Because when Christ gets on the inside of you and you take on that love, your love makes you crucify your flesh for your brother's sake. You don't want to be a stumbling block. So there's no such thing as a selfish believer. Didn't we just read that here? Verse 2, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. I can't say I love you as my brother, but I'm out doing everything I want to do. Being a stumbling block to you. Everybody understand? Verse 3, for this is the love of God. In other words, this is how it's defined. That we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. Everybody see that? So how do we know when somebody loves God 
when they're keeping his commandments, when they're doing what he tells them to do. It's that simple. When you obey God's word, that is your proof to him that you love him. It's that simple. That's the reason why nobody's going to heaven that's not keeping his commandments, because that is proof to him that you don't love him. The Bible says this is the love of God. What is it? That we keep his commandments. That's all. And then it goes on, and just in case you're ready to have a heart attack because this, your Bible got 2,000 pages in it, he gives us this little tidbit. And his commandments are not grievous. I tell you what, it's hard cooking for a husband you don't love. It's hard going to work for a wife that you don't love. But when love is there, it's not a burden. You're not mad at your wife because you're going to work to feed her. You're not mad at your husband because when he gets home from work, he's expecting dinner. When love is there, Everybody understand? Some of us, how many of us have heard that term? I love his dirty draws. How many of you heard that? Some of us have said, I love that man's dirty. I can't believe he did me like that. And you know what? We better get back to some dirty draws loving. Everybody understand? That's what we're supposed to be. What do people mean when they say that I love this dirty draws? That's mostly what women would say. There was, I didn't see anything wrong with him. I didn't see anything bad. And he could have told me to go to the store across the sea somewhere and I'd have been going. I'd have done anything for him. But the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. You're still supposed to be that way. I don't fear going to, you know, going to Africa to get you some cereal. I do whatever you tell me to do because I, don't, because I have perfect love. And whatever you tell me to do is not burdensome. You know why? Because I love you. That's the only thing that's going to heaven. My wife and I, we've seen it up close and personal. Children not knowing anything about burden until they get some rebellious children around them. Evil communication corrupt good manners. I refuse to be in a company of people that believe it's a burden to serve God because I don't want to be corrupted. I believe God's word. I know from my own experience, it's not hard living for them. It's only a burden if I'm trying to live in both worlds at the same time. Now, let's think about it this way. How many of you know somebody that's dead? How many of you have seen them come back in the flesh and just go in between those two worlds? That's what I thought, because it's impossible. They're not going to live in this world and that one at the same time. And just like death separates 
heaven from earth. So does our death when we decide to crucify our flesh. It puts a line there. I'm all in with God. And to prove it, I'm dead to the things of this world. So it's not a burden to live for God. Everybody understand? When that flesh is dead. Some of us, we look and we say the, the, the devil is our biggest enemy. No, that's not your biggest enemy. You wearing your biggest enemy. You wearing your biggest enemy. Everybody understand? You standing in the mirror looking at it every day. You brushing his teeth. You washing the armpits. You doing all of that to your, your biggest enemy. You trying to keep it clean, but it's just as dirty as it want to be. You don't believe that. You just get in a tub. That ain't outside dirt you, you, you washing off. You can take five baths, and every time you get out, it's going to have a ring of dirt in that tub. That's your enemy. It is as dirty as they come. And to prove it, God created you, made you from dirt. Everybody understand? From dust. That's your enemy. And the only way to live for God is to crucify that enemy. Everybody understand? No, the devil ain't your, the devil's not your enemy. He's a friend of your flesh. That's how you got to look at that. So how do I overcome the devil? Crucifying flesh. So let's not look at God's word like it's some big burden. I'd be miserable going to church to figure out, you know, finding out how the other stuff we got to do. If that's the way you look at it. How many of you had that mindset in school? First day of school, man, we learned this. Wait a minute. Why y'all teaching us something every day? That's not what I came here for. <laughs> if you want to graduate, you're going to take it. Everybody understand? No, that wasn't, I don't believe that was any of our mindsets. I've already been here half the year. Why y'all keep teaching us new stuff? God don't only want us living for him. He want our attitudes to be right. That was the problem with these people in the seventh chapter of the book of Matthew. They were doing all this stuff with bad attitudes. My wife and I, we went to the dentist a couple of months ago, and uh, we went to two of them, in fact, and it was the difference was between night and day, like between them two. How many of you ever went to a store, maybe to a restaurant or something, or McDonald's, Burger King, whatever, fast food, and people's attitudes were bad? How many of you knew y'all could be back there doing something to that food if y'all don't want to be here? Like, I don't know what y'all, okay, I'm going to go ahead and eat this because I don't pay for it. But I don't know if I'm coming back here. How many of you ever thought that? You know, God is the same way. You might be spitting in his food because of what he ordered and you don't like it. Same way. Just like you want good service with a smile, those people be tired. I understand. 
I've worked fast food. I've stood on, I listen, that, I don't feel sorry for people. I don't. I was walking five miles to Burger King, working eight hours and didn't walking five miles home and, and was happy. So I understand what it feels like to stand on your feet for eight hours. And even beyond that, I know what it feels like to have to walk five miles to get there and then have to stand on your feet. And then the whole eight hours knowing I'm going to have to walk home. Still with a good attitude. So I understand people not having a good day being on their feet for eight hours. But I tell you this. It does not negate the idea that you want good service. You want service with a smile. And you know, some of us, we something else. We are something else. We walk into Burger King with our little $2 and got the nerve to get mad at people because <laughs> they, they don't want to be there for whatever reason. Y'all understand what I'm saying? You walk in there looking at the dollar menu and mad because folks don't want to be there. <laughs> and we want to call and complain. What's, look, give me the number to y'all office. Because I done spent $2 here and I know I got some stake in this company. I'm going to come. Everybody understand? Yeah, so you ain't got to be rich to want good service. <laughs> yeah, some of us, we'd be happy to go in there with our little $5. Yeah, and be looking at it. You see that? You see how she just looked at me? <laughs> we ain't never coming back here. They're going to miss this little $5 when it's gone. Now, if we, with our little few dollars, can go in and expect good service, you ain't made them people, you didn't hire them, you ain't got nothing to do with them living, but you expect good service from them. What does God expect from his own creation? So when we live for God, let's live for him with the right attitude. Everybody understand? And let's know that all God's commands are designed to get us closer to him. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this word that we've heard today. And God, we pray that you will help us to abide by it, Lord. If there's anything in us that's not like you, Lord, we ask that you will expose it and move it out of the way. Help us, Lord, to change our minds and our hearts towards your word. Help us, Lord, not to be sluggish when it comes to obeying your word, Lord. But help us, Lord, to fall in love with you and to love you with a pure heart, Lord, so that your word is not grievous to us. Help us to get out of self and to pay attention to our souls and the state that our souls are in. 
God, forgive us for the times that we've murmured and complained about the things that you've told us to do. Forgive us for our bad attitudes, Lord. Help us, Lord, not to murmur and complain, but help us to worship you with a pure heart and a sincere heart, Lord. Help us to become as little children. All we want in this world is you, Lord. Lord, we pray that we remove all the things that have hindered us from experiencing all of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, so now if the Lord willing, uh, when we leave here, we'll go up. Uh, I think we're going to go to Brother Pujo's house, and we'll uh, continue to discuss what we've learned today, what we got out of the message. All right, if that's all now, you're dismissed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.